As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, James, it's a it's a busy news day, right? There's two news stories involving the Toronto Maple Leafs, kind of, sort of, right? It was like dueling press conferences today. It's pretty interesting, the timing of all that, eh? Do you make anything of the timing of that, or you just think it's coincidental? I can't imagine that the Penguins were trying to be petty or something like that by doing that. I think, th- I think they just got the deal done, right? And then they had to get it out there before it... I don't know. I don't That's know how, what I, I don't know how to... Think. Like, I don't know the behind the scenes. I know that our Pittsburgh guys were working hard on it and they felt like it was close. And, um, But yeah, it's uh, so the timeline was uh, I got a text early uh, this morning. It is Thursday, June 1st. I got a text at, I don't know what it was. It was, I'm on the West Coast. It was like seven something. And they said, I think Dubas to Pittsburgh's happening. I was like, oh, okay. So I let our Pittsburgh guys know. And then 10 minutes later, the press release came out. And um, then a, a half, that was half an hour before Tree Living was su- supposed to speak. And then Dubas's press conference was not very long later. Like, what was it, like another hour and a half later? So it's been, uh, it's been a busy day in Leafs, GM's past and present, I would say. Well, so before we dive into all things Brad Tree Living, um, going back to what Kyle Dubas said at his press conference where he, he basically said it was going to be Toronto or nowhere else, you don't make anything of that at this point. I like because I kind of just take that as at that point he's thinking either I'm staying with the Leafs or I'm not going anywhere. And I'm sure because of the way things transpired, where he's fired, he changes his mind and says, "You know what? I'm going somewhere else." Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's a tough one to read. What like. You know, we had Chris Johnston on our show and I asked him that because I was curious. Like, do you think that like the the family, I mean, it, it, it really seemed like Dubas was in some real distress there in that press conference. Like he was really emotional and upset. I, I don't think he's, he's not a guy that's going to win Academy Awards. Like he's a guy who's very passionate and, and kind of can get emotional at times. And that's what we saw. So I don't think that that was manufactured, but I understand why some fans are upset where he says, you know, I'm not going to go anywhere else. And then. A few weeks later, he's going somewhere else. Yeah. 
Yeah, I could see it from both sides. I could see, I mean, yeah, I think you're right. He was definitely emotional at that press conference. Anyway, um, so he's now the president of Hockey Ops in Pittsburgh. So he gets basically a promotion. He will eventually hire a GM in Pittsburgh, which is interesting. And we can, actually, we should talk about that a little bit later, just about the the ripple effect that that might have on the Leaf front office. Um, but Bradtree Living is, is not a surprise as Leafs GM. Um, as we talked about last time, you had pointed out to me at some point during last season that he was going to be the guy in all likelihood if Kyle Dubas didn't return. Um, what's your top level takeaway of Bradtree Living being their choice as GM? Well, I think what they're hoping is that he's going to be kind of a stabilizing influence. He'll come over and, and kind of calm some of the staff down, which, I mean, you've written about some of what's been going on behind the scenes a little bit. Um, vast majority of the front office was hired by Kyle Dubas. I mean, I, you and I were talking before we started recording uh, earlier today, and it's like, like who on in that front office wasn't hired by Kyle Dubas? Like, there's not very, not yeah. very many names. Yeah. So when you come in as a new manager and you're taking over a group where a lot of them were hired by the previous one, you need to try and gain their trust as fast as you can. And Brad Tree Living also has to gain the trust of the players, and because he's got to start negotiating with them soon, and. You know, he talked about in the press conference, you know, some of the pre-existing relationships that he has. He obviously he had Brody and Giordano in, in Calgary uh, when he first got there. Those were like two of the pillars of the team that he inherited there in 2014. He knows the a lot of the agents involved. Um, you know, so there are some connections. But I think probably in talking to people around the league, the thing that Brad Tree Living is the strongest at and that that is going to help him in this job is he's just a very personable guy. He's very good at like the interpersonal and like I don't think anyone's going to interact with him and be like oh that guy's what what an asshole that guy is I don't want to work for him you know and I think that that's going to help in this situation where you you need to come in and build some bridges I think he's going to be able to do that I'm glad you brought this up because to me I feel like the perception of who he is as a person has kind of clouded his actual record and I know you you sort of disagree with me a little bit on this but I don't think his record is as good as people seem to think it is. At least Here's I don't what I would think say. it's as good. Yeah, go I'll ahead. Inter- I'll interrupt. I mean, we've been doing like the letter grade thing. What letter grade would you give Brad Tree Living's tenure in Calgary? B minus? C plus? The team he took over there was terrible, like for one. Mm-hmm. So if you take okay. over, you've got you've got a meddling owner there who's who's doing things like forcing the coach on you that that turns last season into a disaster. You've got the push to always be competitive and always that's one of those teams where it's like we got to try and make the playoffs every single year makes it difficult to have any kind of long term thinking or planning. Um, Their drafting looks okay. Some good trades, some bad trades. Um, I think he's I think he's okay. And the the question is, and the people I talked to who watched him closely in, in Calgary, the way things unfolded is, did you know, did he learn some lessons from the things that he did that didn't work? And I actually, you know, you you wrote a piece where you went through some of the mistakes that he made, and there were some bad free agent signings and things like that. I think probably the two biggest mistakes he made were recently. It was letting Johnny Gaudreau walk without getting anything, and um, and and the Kachuk trade. I think those are two of, you know, like you need to keep your your pillars of your organization. And it's interesting, you know, listening. I've seen some people write and say that Brad Tree Living's a good fit in Toronto because he needs to like keep his superstars. It's like, but he he didn't do that. Like you you know, like this literally two of the didn't biggest, just do that. 
two of the biggest mistakes he made. So he's he's got a redo here to try and make sure that doesn't happen again with Nylander and and Matthews and and to a lesser extent Marner, who's going to be up in two years. So does he does he do a better job than he did in Calgary? Because the Gaudreau and the Kachuk situations, if you talk to people close to what happened there. I mean, even Craig Conroy got up there. I don't know if you saw Jonas when he was hired as GM, and he's like, "We, we basically." He didn't say it like this, but he's like, "Basically, we screwed up." He what he said was something like, "We should have handled that differently." And he he was specifically talking about Gaudreau. Like, you can have one of the best two or three players in franchise history walk for nothing, and that's what happened. And I think that that's one of the biggest black marks. I mean, I know that that's one of the biggest back black marks on Trey Living's tenure there. But I, I kind of want to dig into this a little bit more because I I've spent the last few days. Actually, the last couple of weeks, just thinking about how GMs are perceived, because I think Kyle Dubas is perceived in interesting ways that aren't always tied to what well, actually he's happened. Super polarizing. He's super. Dubas is super polarizing. Super. Tree living is is not like tree living is like under the radar. I would say, generally speaking. Well, and and so that's what I think is is interesting in this evaluation of him from Calgary. If he had done some of the stuff here that he did in Calgary. I, I think the perception of this would just be so different. Like some of those contracts he handed out, like I was asking you this morning, like what was the worst contract that Kyle Dubas gave out in his time? And it's like, is it Mrazic? Well, Mar- I mean, Mar- some people has, might see has to be it. Some people like might say that Tavares isn't going to age well, but like for five years, it's like, it's been fine ish. Um, we'll see how Riley ages, but I guess I'm, I, I want to ask you, 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 you say you think he's been a good GM, why? Like, what? What is no, there? I didn't say that. What Jonas? about him, Jonas? I don't think. I don't think C plus means you're good. I think he's. You said he's okay. Okay. GM. I think he's around okay. an average GM. I'm not saying he's okay. great. I'm saying. Okay. I'm saying he's in. He was in it, it, the. The other thing that people say about him is that it's it's difficult to evaluate how good he can be in a situation like Calgary, where like he quit that job in Calgary. He walked away. He put the the keys on the table. I was like, I'm out of here. And the reason he did that, I mean, the conspiracy theory reason why he did that is because yeah. he thought maybe the, the Toronto job would be there. But the reason sure. he did that was the ownership interference and, and forcing of the coach on him. And how dis- it, like I talked about dysfunction in Toronto. It was dysfunctional in Calgary. It was probably worse. I think it was worse in Calgary based on some of what was going on. So I talked to, do you, do you remember Kent Wilson? He, he used to write for us. He's an analytical writer ba- based in Calgary. So he said the good things about tree living are... Uh, his public profile, the way that he's he's calm and clear and accessible. You know, the fans like him, the media like him. Generally speaking, you know, the the the, the, the players like him, the staff. The other thing he said is he did a nice job negotiating uh, the contracts for the RFAs to to retain players. Uh, you know, uh, Monahan, etc. Got the number number to a reasonable. Uh, a reasonable number. Um, and the other thing is that he wasn't afraid to make a big. A big deal. Like he was involved in like some really blockbuster moves when he needed to be. Um, but but Kent's list of of the things that he's critical of tree living for is quite a bit longer. I don't know if we have time to go through the whole thing, but there's 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 things there that are that are troubling. Yeah, well, and and I think top line troubling is is some of the contracts that he's given out to. I mean, you mentioned the stuff with the trade. You mentioned Goudreau. You mentioned Kachuk. But to me, like one of the bigger concerns is the contracts that he's handed out repeatedly to over 30 players that aren't like short and they aren't cheap and like they they really didn't age well. And we're going to see, 
obviously the Huberto Uyghur thing is a little kind of complicated, but those contracts I don't think are going to age well. And you think about like Kyle Dubas's tenure. That's one thing he really didn't do is give out long bad contracts. Like when they made mistakes, like Matt Murray, Mrazek, they weren't like that long. Like they were a couple years. Obviously, they had to pay a price to get them rid of Mrazek, but. You look at some of the, the the whoppers that they signed in Calgary, and it's like James Neal and Troy Brower, and like some of these deals that just like if they had been made here, you and I would be writing. I mean, fans would be losing their mind. You know what I mean? So like that's that's one of the concerns about him coming here. Is he is he going to make those kinds of mistakes here? Mm-hmm. And and one of the things Kent also adds to that, he says Calgary's futures and prospect covered are in dire straits as a result mm. of you know like trading picks and prospects and things like that. They were in like a win mo- now mode again and again and again, and we we've seen that in Toronto. But the difference in Calgary is they were often in a win now mode with a team that was didn't feel as close. I guess that didn't have as as good of they had a really good regular season not this past year but the one before. But those kind of years were kind of fleeting during his time there. Yeah, and and I think you you hit on something that I've been thinking a lot about. It, it we can only really evaluate GMs on based on what we know. Like if we're to parse every, well, I don't know if he did this or I don't like. How do we evaluate anyone? I mean, even no, like some of the no, stuff but, that's been coming. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, but with tree living, it's like not. Did did he do this or didn't he do this? It's that the mandate from the top was such that it impacted how he had to do his job, right? So I guess the question is 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 how is he going to proceed differently here? Because I think I think one of the interesting things that I've been thinking about the last few days, just in preparing for him to get the job, is it's just so much different. I mean, there's been this thing like, well, he's been in the Canadian market. It's not the same. Like it's not the same being in Calgary buy a lot as it is being in Toronto. It's just every move is so much more scrutinized just because there's more fans. Like it's not because the fans well, care more. It's I just think there's Calgary so many might more. be the quietest Canadian market, to be honest. Like right. it's you know, I think there's just I think there's less noise there than elsewhere. Yeah. And so and so I wonder how he will fare in a market like this. Like I mean we we heard from Kyle Dubas how difficult this year was for him and his family this past year. We've seen other GMs with varying records, like Dave Nonis, Brian Burke, come to Toronto, and it's not gone great for them. Those two, I would say, like Brian Burke came to Toronto with a long record of success. I mean, he did a really nice job in Vancouver and Anaheim, and right. then, yeah. And and Nonis, I followed him very. I was living in BC when Nonis was the GM there, and he, his track record was not very good. It, he he seemed to be really tentative about making big decisions and big deals and um and I think he tried to be more aggressive in Toronto but it had uh, it had some dire consequences. Well, and so you pointed out um that Tree Living has a history of of taking some big swings and obviously mm-hmm. the Kachuk one is is one that comes to mind. I think you have to be fair at the time like the perception was well, he did pretty good. Um like he he was able to get two very good players back. I mean, Huberto was coming off like an insane offensive season uh, and Uyghur is has long been a pretty good defenseman um, it's compounded obviously by their contracts and then the fact that Huberto especially had a terrible year but I would even go back to that the Dougie Hamilton trade one and two so the first one being when they acquire him from Boston at a time when like 
you remember, like, I mean, you know this better than anyone else. The way he Dougie Hamilton was perceived at that point was, I don't know, how would you describe it at that point? In, what did they give Austin? up for him again? Do you have that in front of you? It was like first round. It picks was or like a, it was like that? it was a bunch of picks. I think it was one first or two firsts and a second, something like that. Right. Yeah, it wasn't I mean, bad. It's like trade. that's it, it's a pretty yeah. good trade, but then they trade him out. Um, and, and it's, it's not a bad trade. Like, so they trade Dougie Hamilton to Carolina. They get back Elias Lindholm and they get back Noah Hannafin. Obviously, they also send out Michael Furland and they also send out this prospect who had gone to Harvard named Adam Fox, who they didn't think that they could, could sign. Um, yeah, that's a bit misleading though, because Carolina couldn't sign him either. Like Fox was basically, I'm, I'm going to play out my college eligibility and go to New York was what was going to happen. And that's what he did. I mean, even if you want to take Fox out of it, Lind. I mean, Lindholm is is very good. Yeah, I think um, that that's a fine. That's a fine. It's trade. okay, Lindholm. But I, but fantastic. I guess it, it, it. Yes, I guess it's just it gets to if he's going to make that kind of trade here. Maybe he can he can be the one to to make a a, a trade that does what you would need it to, and that's somehow make the Leafs deeper than they are by getting rid of one of the stars. You know what I mean? Is he going to make one of those trades? I mean, that's the other thing. I don't know. One, one, one thing we need, I, this is probably on your agenda, but maybe I'll just like sure take the take the podcast in another direction. But like one of the weird things that's happening right now is that it's come out through leaks that uh, Shanahan told prospective GMs that he kind of liked the idea of keeping Sheldon Keefe, which is seems weird because you, you would think that the new GM would want to be part of those discussions. Yeah. Uh, and then Tree, Tree Living said today, you know, it, it Basically, it hasn't been decided. It was what he said. Um, and then the other thing that's leaked out through Chris Johnson, who we, we talked about, is is the idea that the core four players were told that they were coming back too. So it feels like Shanahan went to the coach and the and the star players and said, "We're running it back without Dubas." Um, now I, I don't know. I mean, like, what do you read into that? That being what the the main leaks have been lately. I find it weird. I mean, yeah, again, like it's, strange. it's weird, right? Yeah. Like it doesn't feel like the the way that I mean, it does feel a little bit like what's kind of happened before. I mean, hiring Mike Babcock before there was a GM. Like I had forgot how long it was that they fired Dave Nonis and then hired Lou Lamorello. Like it was three and a half months, basically. If I'm yeah. remembering right. Um, it's just a weird order of operations. Like you would think you would. I mean, obviously, that would come up in a in a job interview, right? Like, what what do you think about our core? Do you think we should trade them? What do you think about our coach? But it it feels like a decision. If you like what you hear, I guess maybe. I mean, maybe Tree Living said like he thinks they should keep them. I don't know, but it, it does feel like a weird order of operations. Like it feels like that should be the decision of the GM to voice that to the players. And and again, to like go back to our conversation last week with CJ, I don't know why you would commit to anything. Or even if you're not committing, I don't know you, why you would say anything. Just say like, yeah. listen, like we got, we have a lot of changes to consider. We haven't gotten it done. We might have to consider something big. Like we're not going into this offseason planning to trade you, but we're going to explore everything. We have to make this team better. We haven't won a cup in 56 years. It's going to be really interesting if they come back with Keith and all the all the same star players, isn't it? And then you just like are filling in around the edges with someone who hasn't shown an aptitude for finding a lot of great value in, in free agency, I would say. So it's going to be a really difficult, like the Leafs have quite a bit of cap space. 
Uh, their main needs are probably another top four defenseman and definitely two top six forwards, I would say, would be their main needs. Um, yeah, I you know, if they if they keep back and, and if they bring back the same group, I just want I wonder and are you're kind of inviting the same result and it's probably going to be a situation where the regular season just isn't going to mean a whole lot, right? It's going to be get back to the playoffs and see like can can this same core deliver better than they did in in the second round against Florida this year and and as for Keith, I wonder if I wonder there's two things thoughts I have on that. One, I wonder if the fact that he has a year left on his contract matters. Like maybe the board doesn't want to have another pay another coach not not to coach, which seems like a weird concern for MLSC, one of you know the wealthiest sports organizations in the world. But I yep. I just wonder that based on some of the things you hear from behind the scenes, how they're still upset about the Babcock number and, and paying that money out. Maybe they don't want to pay Sheldon Keith two million dollars to not coach next year and watch him go um, potentially coach somewhere else. That's the first thing. And then the second thing is maybe they're just buying themselves some time. Like I found it strange. I remember when Brandon Shanahan came in with the Leafs in 2014 and kept Randy Carlisle because it would have been pretty clear up to that point that there was an issue there with how the team was coached. I mean, it was one of the very first questions I ever asked Brandon Shanahan uh, was, why are you keeping Randy Carlisle? Basically, was it what I said? And it really was about I think was about buying him some time to figure out what they wanted to do. And that led into eventually Mike Babcock. But remember what they did though, Jonas is they blew out the assistant coaches around Carlisle and they got him some different voices in there. And they were trying to see if something different would happen. And when the season went sideways, they fired Randy Carlisle in January. They elevated one of the assistant coaches. Uh, Peter Horchek became the coach. And as we know, it was massively successful from that point on that season. So maybe they're going to try and use that model again here. I think what's very, 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 I don't know how many varies I should use, different, (laughs) a lot of varies, is they're just in a very different place as a franchise. Like that team, they knew that team was was not good, right? Um, But let's take a break because I want to dig into some of what you talked about. I want to talk about the core uh, questions. I want to talk about Sheldon Keefe. So let's take a break and then let's dig deeper into that stuff. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, James. Um, let's start with the core because you, you you hit on some important stuff there. Um, I think one of the things that I've been thinking about as it relates to the possibility of them bringing everyone back, beyond the fact that I don't know why you would be so stubborn to it, is there aren't a lot of ways that they can improve some of their... I mean, I think you're cutting off one of your ways to improve your team. 
by just saying, nope, not trading any of these guys. Like if you look at yeah. the market for a number two center on free agency, there isn't anyone that like you would be like, yeah, that's the guy. And so if you're not prepared to at least look at the possibility of trading Marner or trading Neilander, I don't know how you're getting that guy in this. And then there's all the questions that you brought up about free agency. How are you going to make your team better if you're just going out and spending in free agency and probably overpaying? Like, it just feels like a, a narrow-minded kind of way to think about this, that just because we believe in these guys, they're great players. Like You and I would acknowledge that. I wouldn't advise them to make a crappy trade. Like If they come out and make some terrible trade just to make a trade, obviously, we're not advocating that. But to not even like, like look at it, talk to other teams, and maybe they will, but I just don't know why you would cross that off entirely. And Brad Tree Living basically said, we'll look at it, but if it, the mandate has been given to him, we're keeping these guys. I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Well, I mean, I think the thing it puts in focus is just how involved Brendan Shanahan's going to continue to be. And I don't know if this is a further window into how involved he was when Kyle Dubas was the GM. And, you know, I know some would say over-involved, and that was part of the friction that was there. And I think that that's a big reason why Kyle Dubas is now the president in in Pittsburgh, is is the relationship with Shanahan. So, you know, but Tree Living's coming into this with eyes wide open, that that's how it's going to be. I mean, I'm sure that, I'm sure he's he's seen the light, and, you know, I mean, maybe wait, this, can I stop you on that front? What, yeah. I think it's one thing to to have an idea of it. It's another to experience it. Like the structure in Calgary, as I understand it, is not like that. There's just one owner, right? And did he have a president? Like, was there someone above? Was it like well, Ken Brian King Burke was or the something? president? Brian Burke was the president there for a while, right? Until he right. went to Pittsburgh. So there, there was a president during parts of the tenure. What was Don Maloney's title in Calgary? He might have been the uh, some some form of a president. You yeah. know, when Tree Living left, Don Maloney stepped in, and I believe he was in in that kind of a role. But it was pretty clear that Maloney was was not directing what to, what to happen in that front office. I mean, it's just different. It's different also when you just don't have one owner. Like their ownership structure, as we've talked about, is yeah complicated. Well, you see, did you see? You know, our our colleague Joshua Cloak. Uh, and some of our soccer writers wrote about TFC. Did you happen to see that story? I mean, there's an MLSE-owned yeah. team that's that's struggling with dysfunction. And, you know, you look at what happened with Masai Ujiri and the negotiation there with the Raptors. And increasingly, there's arrows pointing up to the up to the C-suite and up to, up to what's happening with the board. And um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, if, and I want to, We've been accused of being a bit doom and gloom lately, Jonas. So I'm just saying if things happen to go sideways the next couple of years, then you know, it's really gonna be on the board to step in and I believe Shanahan has two years left on his contract. I mean, this is yes. this is really kind of like this is I wonder how many years do we know how many years Tree Living signed for? I'm guess, guessing four or five years. Um, but this is kind of potentially the end of the Shanna plan if it doesn't go well here the next two years. So it makes sense with his job on the line that Shanahan's gonna be involved, but it it does feel a little bit unique. Well, that's ultimately what I wrote about today is is Shanahan and is really not just betting his own or the team's future, he's betting his own future on tree living. And I think it's a really interesting decision when you boil it down to he's basically saying like I think Brad Tree Living can do this job as well or better than Kyle Dubas could have. And I think that's a really interesting mm, bet based I don't on think some he of He didn't say that though. 
that's what the decision is. That's ultimately the choice you're making. mm, I'm not sure, Joe. I don't know. It feels like Dubas was ready to go. Like, I I can only operate on what I know. We have Brendan Shanahan on record saying that Kyle Dubas said he wanted to return. What else am I supposed to take from that? Yeah, he wanted to return at, at with certain stipulations met. Right? Doesn't anyone? I, I don't. The way that it played out with, I don't know. I find it too convenient that that it came down to Brendan Shanahan's decision. I. It feels like to me this decision was made for him. And we're not. We're probably never going to get all of the details, um, but the, I mean, the the real original sin here is if you believe Dubas should be back, as they should have extended him last yes. year. That's the they opened the door. They opened the door for something like this to happen. Now, if you believe Kyle Dubas should be gone, do you believe Brad Tree Living is going to do a better job? I mean, there. I, I put out a poll a couple of days ago on the weekend. I don't know if you saw that, or was it the weekend? Anyways, the last couple of days. Did you see the results on that? Like it was. Something like fifty-seven percent of people wanted Dubas to be the GM, and twenty-two percent wanted to be Tree Leaving to be the GM, and then there was a percentage that wanted someone else. But you know, overwhelmingly, the fan base—at least the portion that 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 we interact with—overwhelmingly wanted Dubas to remain in the GM role. And I think that you and I would both agree that that would have been favorable to what happened. And even Shanahan, at the end of the season, said, I, "We wanted to bring Kyle Dubas back. They just weren't yeah. able to get it done." If it's important enough to you that you think he is the guy well, to lead you, I guess yeah, it wasn't right. But that's what I'm saying. And so basically, he he decided I can do this. We can do this without you. We can do this with someone else, and that someone else is Bradtree Living. I mean, it could come down to the board too, right? Like if they're gun shy about spending money and like they don't want to give Kyle Dubas what he's asking for, they don't want to cut down on the board involvement and give more money and more term or whatever the particulars were. Shanahan is bound by the board. He works for them. So if they're saying you can't give him an extension, which I, I'm pretty, I'm almost certain they did. The board said you can't give him an extension. That's not even Shanahan's decision. So it comes back I mean, to like this, like I said, a lot of arrows pointing at MLSE right now. Yeah, but it to, to counter, isn't it Brendan Shanahan's job if, to uh, voice his opinion on what he thinks they should do? Like, and I, maybe he did. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's it's hard. It's such a hard situation to, to dissect because ultimately, I I think that the, sort of the issue I have a little bit with that is it kind of just says, well, what is Brendan Shanahan then? Like, if he's, do we just assume he's not really like he's just a puppet? I don't assume that. I assume he's he has some control. He advocates for the things that he believes in, and I have to assume. I mean, he literally is on record saying this was my choice. I mean, what am I supposed to think? I know what you're saying. Like, I'm not saying you're wrong. I just, I don't know that you're right either. He can't get in front of the cameras and say, oh, hey, you know, the the guy with Rogers or the guy with Bell made me do this, so I have to do it. <laughs> like, that's just then, not what his job is. His job is to to be the face of whatever the decision is made. Right. And so, take the arrows then if if it goes yeah. sideways. Yeah. Yeah. All I'm, all I'm saying is I think that there's lots of layers to this and I don't think we're ever going to get the full story because I don't think Shanahan wants it out there and I don't think Dubas wants it out there. And, you know, there aren't, there aren't that many people that know what happened, you know, and we've been asking direct questions to people about what happened behind the scenes and not getting direct answers for a while now. So, but I just, with the way that it played out, you know, the, not getting the extension, the ownership group is involved. And if I was a fan of the Leafs, I would be really, really concerned that the ownership is going to, 
going to continue to to cause problems. And you know, I think the hope has to be that they give full autonomy to Shanahan and Tree Living to do what they want, and then that Shanahan and Tree Living make the right decisions here. All right. Well, to get back to the other part of the the Tree Living conversation is the coach. Um, you kind of think now that that Keith is coming back. Like, are you more in that direction? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what they're when they start saying that. When when Shanahan tells prospective GM candidates that he likes Sheldon Keefe and believes he should come back, how can you not change your position? I'm surprised because that felt like the one, if they had to make a major move to do something different, that felt like a, a big piece of it. Um, there's been no talk about them thinking about coaches or looking at it. There's been no rumors to that effect. Um well, so let me ask and, you this. The, the thing I should say too, Jonas, is I think Sheldon Keefe's a good coach. Like, I think he's done a relatively good job. I mean, he's struggled in the playoffs at times. Um, but you don't get 115 points and 111 points. Like, it's the team has elevated from what was happening before Sheldon Keefe got here. There's some things he's done really well. Uh, so I don't think it's like a disaster to bring him back. It's just the way that it's happening feels a bit odd. Yes. And it gets to the point of like, are you just bringing back everything like aside from Kyle Dubas? And if so, like what is the faith based on? Well, you know what? I'll stop you. Like my prediction here is tree living is going to have to get into discussions with Matthews and Nylander first and foremost about extensions. And I would say like, I think if they go to Nylander and they try and negotiate an extension and it goes nowhere, I could see that being where they they deviate from the plan. I could see that yeah. being where they need they need to make a trade, right? Like if if there's just no way to get that deal done, then you probably got to trade him, right? Like you can't walk him to free agency. Well, and I I think that's such an interesting decision because one of the things that we've learned from covering Neander and obviously gaining a sense of how the league thinks of Neander, I think he's undervalued outside Toronto and maybe he's like Maybe he's, uh, no, he's probably properly valued here now. And I wonder how somebody who doesn't know him, like Kyle Dubas would have, perceives him. And does he, especially if you're going to trade him, does he undervalue him? Does he properly value him? Like, what kind of trade does he make? Does he, I mean, you and I would always talk about, like, what would Lou Lamorello have done if, if Neilander hadn't signed that fall in 2018? Like, would he have just traded him in some crappy trade just to, you know what I mean? Just to win the negotiation. That's when that's one of the the big things that, that Tree Living is gonna have to figure out. Like, what is the right number if you are gonna extend him? How much is too much? How long is too long? Do you just go the full eight years or like I don't know what you do? Like, what do you do if what's on the table is like a really expensive contract that you're not sure about or a trade that you don't like either? Like it's great th- question. That would be my that would be my concern. Like you get stuck in a situation where you know, it's either pay Neiland or ten million, or you trade him for less than he's worth, and you're just like it's it's. And, and Neilander has a, a no trade clause that kicks in. It's a limited no trade clause. I think it's he can list ten teams he can't be traded to. So if the agent and Neilander want to, they can list like the ten teams that have cap space and that are most likely to be able to be traded to, and make it really difficult for them to make a move. I kind of think you just try to find a way to to keep him under contract, just because he remains an asset that way. I yeah I think you just but but like I said like ten million it's like you know and and do they want the full term of that deal 
Um, yeah. But I think it, the situation that you're in now with, with, I mean, it feels like their window to win is right now. So I think you just, you try and get Matthews and Nylander signed and make the best of it. And, you know, the good news is the cap's going to be going up quite a bit in 2024. And you, you just, I guess you hope that that group gets it done. And the interesting thing too, I've been thinking about Jonas is like Tavares's contracts up in two more years. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's a big chunk of cap space that opens up. If the cap continues to go up rapidly after this year, I don't know, maybe, I don't know. It's interesting. It's going to be really those, the Marner and the Nylander, sorry, the Matthews and the Nylander situations are really interesting. Um, more and more, it seems like the the Matthews camp has been, they, they seem like a, a little bit, um, feel a bit better about where things are at right now. Like, I think that there's a relationship there between the agent and tree living and, you know, it feels like something will get done. But again, that one's a tough one because with the no movement clause kicking in, there's the Leafs are going to have a hard time with the negotiating leverage on that contract. Yeah. Like, what do you do if it's, I don't know, the start of training camp and he still hasn't signed? You yeah, can't really and, do anything, right? Like, you're probably. What do you do if the ask, if the ask is really, really tough? Like, it's a, and I think it's, I think that contract's going to be a lot. I mean, I think even if the Leafs get it done, it's going to be a lot and the fans aren't going aren't to love it. Let me go back briefly to Keith. If you decide to bring him back, let's say he meets with him, he's good, and we, I like him, good to go. Do you extend him or do you let him enter the last year of his contract? Like that's another one where you kind of like, uh. I doubt it. I mean, it feels like, I mean, they didn't extend Dubas, so why would they extend Keith? If, you know, and the other thing too, like Spencer Carberry gets hired, goes to Washington, so there's a hole on the staff. Does Keith get to make that hire, or is it a hire that that Shanahan and Tree Living make? Do they get someone in there who has head coaching experience to be the associate coach or the assistant coach? And, and then is that so, person, yeah. yeah, and then that person's looking over Keith's shoulder, and if they go on a six-game losing streak in December, you know, Keith's not going to have a whole lot of job security, I mean, which we already know. So, no, I don't think they're going to extend him, and I think m- more further to that, they're going to put someone like a, like a Horacek looking over Carlisle's shoulder that can step in and be the coach. Because as I said last time, it worked out really well. I haven't heard that from anyone. That's just me speculating, but that's the way I see it playing out. Let's go back to Dubis just before we wrap. What do you think happens now that he has his own team in regards to the front office staff here? As you alluded Mm -hmm. to, basically everyone... Either he hired or they kind of became, I was trying to think of a a name in my story and I ended up doing it, like Dubisites or like Dubis (laughs) people, Dubis crew members, like they're all his guys or girls. Twitter people have been saying you're a a Dubisite. Whatever. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's it's, it's so interesting. You know, like 10 years ago, I was getting absolutely killed in this job for criticizing what the Leafs were doing and whatever. And then now it's, now it's your, you, you, you're not, you're not critical enough of this guy. And it's just, it all goes in cycles. You, you stick around long enough. You see everything. The, what, the question is, so as you reported in your story last week, uh, Dubas extended a lot of his people and got them new contracts. And, you know, so the question for those people is, pretty hard to break your contract and go to another team unless you have some kind of an out unless there's 
some people uh, in the business will have an out if it's if it's a promotion, if the job is a step up. So maybe there will be some people in the least front office that get a promotion uh, to the Penguins. I could see that happening in a couple of instances. Um, Kyle Dubas is looking to hire a GM. Is he able to find a GM from from the Leaf staff? Um, but I think we, you know, some of the people are going to stay. You know, quite a few of the people are probably going to stay in the Leafs front office, and you know, they're the transition of those people leaving could could take some time. You know, sometimes it takes time to turn over. You, you know, Tree Living's got a lot on his plate here. It's he's not like he's going to come in and fire the whole front office and turn it over. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, it's interesting because, like, as you've alluded to, you've got a staff of people who now need to adjust to you. And I guess maybe that gets to part of what you talked about, um, that if there is someone who's going to be able to ingratiate people and make them feel, I don't know, comfortable, at ease, whatever, maybe Brad Tree Living is the guy. I don't know. And and one thing I did want to mention, well, James, that I was thinking, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, like, he can also say to people, there's opportunity here. You know, Kyle Dubas is gone. Jason Spetz is gone. There's going to be, I'm looking for people to step in and be my assistant GMs. And, Maybe some of the people left are saying, "Hey, like here's a chance for me to move up here, and I'm with the, I'm still with the Leafs, and maybe this could turn out to end up being a good thing for me." Yeah, that's true. Yeah, fair point. I guess the only other thing I was going to add is is we've seen in situations like this might work. We've seen a lot of situations where a team like this, like a really good team that just hasn't gotten over the hump, changes a coach or changes a GM, and they win for obviously all kinds of different reasons. Like I brought up in my story, like Julian Brisewa takes over from Steve Eiserman. They win different situation, obviously Brian McClellan takes over from George McPhee. They win. So like, it's not impossible that they change GMs. He yeah. makes a couple moves here and there. And next spring we're talking about a cup. Like it's not crazy. Well, it's still a good team. It's still a good yeah, team. That's so like if, you know, if maybe that's part of why people are saying we've been negative. We've been negative because some of like the process with how this has played out has been strange and it's shown, it's really opened the doors to see the dysfunction that's there with MLSE and Shanahan and the whole thing. That doesn't mean that it's over for this group. I mean, I think that the thing that the Leafs need to do is they need to to keep as much of this together and try and win with this group. Yeah. Like the core is, it's still a core of a very good roster. It's just like one of the things that, that Kyle Dubas did well is was able to build around that core. And obviously they didn't get it done in the playoffs, but like they made a lot of like little value bets. And I don't know, like I'm interested to see what choices they end up making. Like I was thinking James and uh, we'll wrap after this, but will Bradtree living sign Ilya Samsonov to like a, a long contract? Will he sign? I mean, I, I shorter wouldn't. deal like <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't, but like we've seen, we've, we saw in Calgary, like it's not, apples to apples but like they were the team that decided to pay jacob markstrom but the, yeah but like markstrom was way more established than than samsonov i did i think samsonov you do the one-year deal and you say like prove it again you know even if you got to go through arbitration or whatever or maybe a two-year contract if he's willing to give you a bit of a bargain on that yeah we'll see um all right uh i think we will, are, we haven't talked about this are we going to come back next week yeah probably right well i mean i think we should I mean, the draft is what three and a half weeks away four weeks away like it's coming fast so I, let's put it this way I think we're going to record at least a couple of times here over the next few weeks well at least one big domino of the offseason is now in the books and we can we and they can move on to the next one 
right? Sounds right. like a plan, Jonas. <laughs> All right. Thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, obviously, go to theathletic.com slash report to sign up if you haven't already. There's lots of stuff on tree living. There's lots of stuff on Dubis, MLB, NBA. The NBA finals start tonight as we're recording this. So that's exciting. James, enjoy BC. We'll talk soon. Go Blazers. Go Blazers. <laughs>